You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to begin this day to um, call in our ancestors, yours and mine, because we're one great big human family on a very, very small planet. And so with gratitude in my heart, I call out to our ancestors, to those people who lived well and died well in the time they chose to be alive in, those who faced the challenges of being here incarnate on the planet, figuring out how to live in a good way. And we ask those ancestors to be with us here today, to bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines to us, that we, the living, may benefit from that great legacy, that we may take that which was done well and do it and continue uh, those powerful and rich legacies and that we might learn from those who've gone before us and to change and to adapt and to innovate and to do better that which wasn't done very well. And so I ask these ancestors to gather around us and to help the living, help the living to do what we must do for our own health and well-being, to bring our soul's purpose to the world and the things that we must do for those who are coming so that they inherit a world that makes them proud of their ancestors, uh, not cussing them (laughs) for all they didn't do. (laughs) So I call out to our ancestors to help us, the living, to show up at this time, to help to rewrite or to write a new story for the people so that the arc of life that reaches from this time out over the next several thousand years is a arc of love and joy and powerful possibility as human beings come to understand that there isn't another earth ladies and gentlemen this is it so let us all learn how to live here together in a good way for humans and the non-human beings so with these ancestors gathering around us here today we give great gratitude And we move our awareness to our consciousness, from our consciousness down into our heart and from our hearts down into our bellies and from our bellies we reach down into the earth and we take a moment as we greet that energy of this beautiful planet and give thanks. We give great gratitude for life, gratitude for diversity, gratitude for the blessings of this day, gratitude for the wonder of the dreaming of this planet that brought life as we experience it to the face of this planet. And we give thanks for the miracle of life. And for the awe and the wonder um, of this, this great, great, diverse expression in all its many ways. In the rocks and the plants and the animals and the people and the birds and the bugs and everything that is moving and growing and living together. We give thanks for the amazing creativity and wisdom in that dream. And we ask uh, for help from the earth to become part of that dream in a good way. And so we reach our energy down through all the layers of the earth with gratitude pouring from our heart all the way down to the very center of the earth and anchor ourselves firmly there in our choice to be grounded and begin to draw the energy of the earth up, up through all the layers of the earth into our body. And in this way, we draw up all of the wisdom of manifestation, how to be here in form in a good way. We draw up the energy of the earth for rest, restoration, rejuvenation, replenishment, And to bring this energy in our lives that we may learn to live in a way that is dependable and trustworthy, that we can take responsibility for that which is ours and know to not take responsibility for that which is not ours, but support others in doing what only they can do. So we give thanks to the earth for this sanity. We give thanks for groundedness, for place, for home, for belonging. We give thanks to the earth for the understanding of how to draw that earth energy out through our human awareness into connection, connection with ourself, connection with others, connection with non-human beings, and all the way out until we finally come to experience the truth of our existence, which, are, which is our oneness with all things. We give thanks to the earth for that possibility in every moment, and we ask that we might open up to feel that even if just for a moment. And to take from that oneness 
our right relationship with ourself, with others, with our environment, and with the spirit world. And with that possibility in our hearts, let us rise our awareness up from our bellies to our hearts, our hearts to our minds, and all the way up into the sky through whatever weather the day is offering you out through that weather into the atmosphere and out through the atmosphere into the cosmos. And we reach out through all the heavenly bodies, out through the wonders of the universe, those we think we understand and those we have no clue about, reach all the way out to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you know this energy, know it, name it, see it in your mind's eye and see yourself in it and draw this energy down. And in this way, we bring into our day into our proceedings, into ourself, this profound energy of blessing, the energy of protection, generosity, devotion, benevolence, this great wisdom of the cosmos coming in down through all the layers of the sky, into the top of our head, from our head to our heart, and our heart to our belly, and let us take a moment here between heaven and earth and feel this great coming together of these two great lovers, earth and sky, yin and yang, this essential dynamic in the heart of so many indigenous traditions, so much wisdom around the world. And we give such gratitude for these two great lovers inhabiting our physical space, And in that great love, let us ask our heart to awaken, to open, and to be the true and powerful crucible of transformation that our heart is. And let it call up the fiery passions of our belly that feel, help us to feel why we are here. And we draw down the crystal clarity of the mind that says, yes, these are our passions and this is how we can do it in the world in which we live. So we call these energies together and we let them dance in the heart so they can give birth to that third and ever so sacred thing that has never been known before and will not be known again after you are gone, which is the deep truth of your soul's purpose. And may you find in that very same heart the courage that you need to do something in this day, large or small, to bring that purpose into true manifestation. So we give thanks for the spirit energies that are gathered around us here today, the earth, the sky, the ancestors holding us. May what needs to be said be said, what needs to be heard be heard, and may these proceedings go forward in a good way for all living things. And I would like to give special gratitude for those human beings who are able to help me financially to keep the show on the air, pay the bills, keep us rolling. And so I give particular thanks to Malama, to Deb, to Kevin and Bethany and all of the listeners who have been able to donate financially. I am very grateful to you. It's easy to do. Those of you who would like to, who haven't done it before, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com, click the support button. And donate any amount, large or small. There's no uh, parameters at all um, other than um, there's not even – you don't even have to be willing to do it over the internet. If you're uncomfortable with that, please feel free to email me at christina at lastmasscenter.org and I'll give you a regular old-fashioned address for a regular old-fashioned check. It's all fine and we are deeply grateful. Every penny, ruble, euro or whatever goes directly to keeping the show on the air. So if this show moves you in any way, if it moves you in the heart to inspiration, to tears, to frustration, to distraction, to aggravation, you have been moved. And this is the fundamental understanding of shamanism, that we allow ourselves to be moved in the heart, that we notice that motivation and we let that motivation move our actions in the world. And this is the heart of shamanism cross-culturally and for this great gift to humanity which is shamanism i give thanks give thanks to those of you that are helping me to keep the show on the air and those of you that are offering suggestions questions and all of the things that that help the show to grow so thank you so today um our show is called why isn't my shamanic healing working (laughs) and um We are live today. Sorry, I almost forgot to say we are live. If you'd like to call in, you can call in at 512-772-1938 or you can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site um, or you can email me at christina at lastmasscenter.org and I would be happy to read your question on the air. So as I said, today's show is why isn't my shamanic healing working? 
And this was inspired by a client who is actually quite gifted in her own right. And over the time that I've known her, she's been um, studying shamanism and learning shamanic skills um, with various teachers and using them as a means by which she can bring her own unique gifts out into the world. And at the same time, she stays pretty well aware um, that she is also developing gifts um, in this life. So she's using the gifts she came in with. She's developing the gifts that are here for her in this life. And that uh, she's also pretty aware that she needs to pay her bills, get food in the kitchen, and engage in a healthy way with her friends and family. And so this is, this is just a way of saying to you that here is a person who is engaged in all three aspects of healing. There's the aspects from which we, we need to ask for help. We need to get help skilled or unskilled. By skilled, I mean maybe you go to a shaman or a therapist or a surgeon. Um, but there's unskilled help, which is that friend who's willing to tell you you're completely full of it, compassionately, and help you to see the thing you're blind to. Because we have, hopefully, in our lives, unskilled help as well as skilled. But the issue here in this first aspect of healing is we have to be willing to ask and open to receiving. So that's the first part. The second part of healing is using your own skills and developing your own relationship with spirit by whatever means you understand that and taking some accountability to work with your intuition, your inner knowing and develop a sense of the path that is right for you and not just letting the professionals you're asking for help from just kind of push you around somewhere that has to be integrated through your own wisdom and understanding. So there's that piece to healing as well. And then the final piece of healing is just being willing to do what you need to do and, and doing what needs to get done in just the everyday life choices. So when this woman who's doing all of this, as long as I've known her, she has been. I don't really take any credit in that. She, she sort of came into my life in that place doing all these things. So when she very honestly asked me, when do I need shamanic healing and when do I need something else? How do I know that? It really struck me as a good question. It is a very good question for those of you out there who are beginning to bring shamanic healing into your template here, your palette, I guess is a better word, your palette of um, options for your health care in your life. How do you, how do you know? when it is a shamanic healing issue and how do you know when it's not? Um, so let's do a little bit of basics then before we get into this question. So the first thing we need to understand is if your shamanic healing isn't working and you need to reach for something else, the first thing you need to rule out is maybe it's just not very good shamanic healing. You know, this is true for anything, car mechanics, chefs, heart surgeons, parents, <laughs> true for anything, that some people just aren't very good at it, but they're doing it anyway, right? And so the first aspect is, did your practitioner do a good job? If they did, then the other question is, did you do your part? I mean, and that's the first thing we need to ask around anything, but in particular, shamanic healing or any kind of healing we're receiving is, is the practitioner doing a good job? Am I doing my part? Do I understand what it is? And can I do that? And then the other piece of it is maybe you're both doing a really good job and it's just not a good fit. And that is extremely important with shamanic healers. It's important with a therapist. It may not be so important with a surgeon, for example. I mean, you may just simply want the best surgeon, even if they have terrible bedside manner, because the point of the matter is they're not going to be at your bedside. They're going to do their surgery, and then you're going to get handed off to somebody else. But with a shamanic healer, that um, simpatico is important. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you like them or you feel like they like you. I've been working here in Portland with a woman recently and she was very, very upset with me in our first session because she felt like I was being mean. And um, it's possible I was, you know, that's not the point. The point is she didn't like me, but the work helped to change her life. And part of the process was of her healing 
was coming to understand why she didn't like me and the way intuitively she got through her dreams about why she was uncomfortable with me and what she needed to do about that if she was going to ask for a second shamanic healing. That all ended up being a really powerful part of her own understanding about her capacity to participate in her own healing. And now I don't take any credit for having planned that. That is not my point. But my point is compatible practitioners does not necessarily mean comfort or that you like each other. It just means you work well together. Okay, so once you've cleared that most basic stuff, which you need to do with anything in your life, right? There's no point in going back to someone who isn't doing a good job, right? Okay, so the next thing is let's kind of review the basics from past shows about what healing really is. Okay, so your current state of well-being or your health is the logical conclusion of your current belief system which is displayed in your actions, not necessarily your thoughts or your words, and by the buttons that get pushed in your life. So where we really are, in other words, the real belief system underneath everything that's operating is the belief system that is driving our actions and driving our life in its conspiracy to get us to wake up. Okay, so, so that's what's really showing us our current belief system our current consciousness and our health and well-being is the logical conclusion our whole life actually is the logical conclusion of that situation so if that current state of well-being is problematic in other words it involves a great deal of suffering it involves cancer it involves mental unwellness or mental illness It involves an inability for whatever reason to do what you came here to do, fatigue, um, chronic uh, depletion, um, maybe just feeling lost or without direction or feeling not whole. You know, we have to look at our current state of well-being and ask ourselves, is this good enough for me to be able to live my soul's purpose? And the answer is absolutely not. Then our current state of well-being is problematic. And so then it's time to invest yourself in healing, not because you're broken or something needs to be fixed or you were fine and now you caught something, but because the person you have become can't do what you came into this life to do, right? The the sum total of the person you've become is not able to do what you came in this life to do. So something needs to shift. Because doing what you came here to do in ever more clear and robust and joyful ways is the cornerstone of our well-being, right? So healing is the path by which you choose to become a different person. And a lot of people don't understand this, but it's particularly true for those people that turn around a terminal diagnosis, is they, one way or another, they choose to become a different person and succeed in doing that. So specifically, the version of who you came here to be needs to drive your path of well-being. Like, so you need to become someone who can do what you came here to be versus someone who fits into everybody else's expectations of who you should be, fits into your family of origin, fits into life in general. You know that you're, The point is you need to put food on your table, take care of your human needs, take care of those that you love in, in a way that allows you to include yourself on that list of those that you love and do what you came here to do. And, and so... Healing, then, is the path by which you choose to become a different person, specifically the version of you who came to do what you came to do in this life and put food on your table. And remember that there is a logical conclusion of your current beliefs. There is no other conclusion. If you want a different outcome, you need a different state of well-being, you must become a different version of yourself. That belief system has to change. So that's import, really important to understand. And then the question is, okay, Christina, how do we do that? And that is a really important question. And never forget in your healing, that is the question. 
how do I change who I am so the logical conclusion of who I am doesn't involve cancer, doesn't involve depression, doesn't involve whatever it is that I'm wanting to release from my life. And yes, there can be a healing journey in that. And yes, it can be a great teacher. But the bottom line is I watch people learn, quote unquote, what they had to learn from whatever their illness is, but they don't change their fundamental beliefs and a new version of the illness returns. So it's not just what are you here to learn. It's not just that everything in your life is a gift. Yes, it is. And are you able to do what you came here to do? If not, we need to change. So shamanic healing then is the most direct way that we access the source of the problem. Remember, we decided this is a problematic state of well-being, right? Not well enough for me to do what I came here to do. So shamanic healing then allows us to access the source of these problems when those problems are not wholly manifest in the physical or mental realms. And that is often the case. So any presentation of symptoms, physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual, can have a source that is in this energetic sort of spiritual realm that shamanism accesses, one that we can't get at here through physical tests, um, mental tests, through these ways that we can access this um, aspect of our life that is very present. And so, so that's really the essence of shamanism. And so it helps us to understand that a person has lost energy that must be present in their energy body, soul parts, power, chakra energies, archetypal energies, um, body part energies, um, helping spirit energies. These are the kinds of things that can, can come back to someone. And there can be energies that are present because when the other energies left, they left a hole. So other ener- invasive energies have come in that could need to be extracted or at a higher level depossessed. But they could also simply be your own bad ideas that is sort of polluting the, your inner system. And so, I mean, people basically can take on the role of cursing themselves. And we've discussed this on other shows. But my point is, that's what shamanic healing is really about. Now, people are starting to do shamanic healing with other things. And it's important for us as practitioners to help people understand when are we doing shamanic healing and when are we doing something else. But the point is, that's what shamanic healing is really good at, helping us get at the source of the problem when it is not purely physical or mental and to change the energy there in this non-form realm so that we get a different outcome here in the physical world. So that's what we're really looking for with shamanic healing. So if your real issue is you need to change your diet because you are eating foods you are allergic to and those foods are creating the mental illness you're being medicated for, then the situation that you're in is not necessarily a shamanic situation, right? Shamanism may or may not help you a lot with that. Now it could potentially because it's very possible that Part of the reason you have these food addictions that are leading to your mental illness are because of things that happened to you in your childhood. So it's very possible that a soul retrieval or power retrieval or some kind of energy retrieval could repair a sense of loss that could then allow you to change this particular addiction to food that could allow you then to change your diet which would allow you to, which changes your body chemistry, which would change your mental state, which would allow you to responsibly get off your pharmaceuticals. I mean, that's all possible about how they fit together. But if you've already had the soul retrievals, you've already had the depossessions, and you're still stuck with the mental illness and the pharmaceutical you don't want to be on, you need to change your diet if that's the situation. Do you see what I'm saying? Where When do you need to Let the shamanic healing go, not get another soul retrieval, not get another energy retrieval, and just do what you need to do in the physical world. That's what the show is about. That's what I'm going to try to talk about today. Okay? So 
the other point in that is that's the distinction between shamanic healing and all of the other things that we need to do in healing. You know, we need to understand as contemporary practitioners and as contemporary people receiving shamanic healing, learning to journey, getting shamanic healing from your own helping spirits, I mean, all of this wonderful stuff that's happening right now is that our contemporary expression of shamanism here in the United States, at least, is not at all like it is in an indigenous culture in this particular topic. Because a shamanic healer in most other cultures lives comfortably and and is respected with other healers that offer other parts of this healing palette that people can access and that people specialize Some people may have done plant diet and worked with ayahuasca to be better able to work with the plants, but that their primary gift is creating medicines from the plants, like an herbalist. Um, And so so it's important for us to to begin to grow up here around our awareness with the shaman. Like the shaman is not the person who does everything. The shaman in a healthy society, the shaman is fitting in with other healthcare practitioners that help support us in the physical changes we need to make, the emotional changes we need to make, the mental and the spiritual, and that they play a role in that. So one thing is we have a tendency to go to the shaman for everything, for the magic, for the miracle, for the silver bullet. You know, It's silly of us. It's immature of us that we need to begin to treat the shaman and under, as a practitioner among others, understand how they fit in, when you need shamanic healing and when you don't. Again, what we're trying to talk about today. But the other thing that is extremely important in our contemporary life, particularly here in the U.S., not exactly sure how it is in other countries, but people have a lot of healing options. And they can end up running around to a different kind of practitioner that's looking at them from an entirely different cosmology of healing. And they can go to five different ones in a week And they're all spinning different understandings of how the person is going to get well and the person's left trying to integrate it. And for most people, it's nearly impossible. And so this is the one thing shamanism offers because of its connection to the spirit world, its ability to get that other and help. Or to ask for help in how you integrate the different practitioners. You know they're all helping, but now there's so many balls in the air, it's not working very well. And so how do you bring that together? It could be something very practical, like you need to see this practitioner every single week, this practitioner every other week, this practitioner only once a month, and this practitioner, you know, when the moon's full. I don't know. But the point is... We are not using shamanism very reliably in America, at least, for the one thing it's really used for in indigenous cultures, which is diagnosis. Not just the diagnosis of the problem, uh, but, but the diagnosis of the remedy, how the person will engage in all the different uh, possible their healing. And so this is a big piece shamanism offers that we need to understand, we need to ask for, and as practitioners, we need to step up for. And that also means being able to say to someone, I can use my shamanism for you to diagnose this for you and to give you the remedy, but most of the healing steps you need to take aren't shamanic. So I can't do that with you. You need to go do this, this, and this, you know, with these other practitioners. I can recommend people, but, you know, and we need to be willing to understand, to be the diviner, to help people orchestrate their healing and um, understand how to integrate their remedies is a traditional part of the shaman's role. And that we are not, because, you know, the fact that we're shamans doesn't mean we can be everything and do everything for everyone. But we can take that role of divination and, and be more... Um, uh, expressive in it. Okay. So when is shamanic healing most potent? 
um, it is most potent when when the issue that that needs to be addressed is purely in this energetic realm that we can't get at through other modalities. And it's most potent when what needs to happen is not just the identification of that energy, but moving it. So moving some energy from where it's lost in space or time and disconnected from the person and putting it back in the person or moving some energy out of the person and then some sort of transformation or returning it to its right place. But this movement of energy. And that is when shamanism is is most miraculous, frankly. It appears miraculous. Um, This is also the case often when the person has truly covered all the other bases. And there's no, often I hear, there's no biological reason for whatever to be happening. All the tests say this shouldn't be happening, but I'm still having this experience. Shamanism can be extremely potent in that situation. So, when it's least potent is when we are in that realm of the physical, meaning choices and actions that the person must take. So, for example, someone could be actively choosing an old pattern. Even though they're going to get healing, they're still choosing an old pattern at the same time. That happens constantly. Um, so it, it can be very Shamanism can be utterly rendered impotent um, if you don't want to make the choices necessary to ground yourself and ground your healing process in reality. Now, this can sometimes be due to a sort of mental unwellness um, that's not necessarily mental illness. But if, if the person receiving shamanic healing refuses to ground themselves, to ground their process and to do their integration, it's not going to be as potent as it could be. The other thing that happens is kind of the opposite of that, which is shamanism can be rendered somewhat impotent if the person receiving it really stubbornly refuses to surrender, for example, to the soul parts that are coming back and to change that um, identified personality person. That the whole Remember, the whole point of the healing process, if it's going to work, is that we change our belief system. We change our core operating system. And there's many people that will integrate up to that place and will not complete that change. They're unwilling to surrender that old belief, that old identity. And as such, the healing never really completes itself. And it's usually because the person's terrified to do it. But just because you're terrified doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Okay. So those are kind of the basics. So I'm going to start with the energy body. So, and and I was kind of understanding how shamanic healing interfaces with the energy body. When do we know that we need shamanic healing and when should we reach for something else? I'm going to start with the energy body because I'm, I very well may run out of time. And this is the most important piece. There's also the mental body and the emotional body. But the energy body is the most important. And it's the most important because um, this is the primary realm that no one can do anything for you. In the physical world, obviously, people can massage you. They can give you herbs. That, that there's lots of physical stuff that can be done in the physical realm. But where your physical body is really being impacted by your energy body, your energy body is deeply impacted by your beliefs, which then in turn shape and impact your physical body, among other things. Right, So the thing about the energy body, while someone can give you herbs and do massages and clear your chakras and do all those things, your energy body will restore the old pattern as long as you tell it to. And the biggest issue with people and their energy bodies is most people are utterly unaware of what they're telling their energy body to do. So again, the energy body realm is the most important realm because it's the realm that no one can do for you. You know, other practitioners can clear or repair aspects of your energy body. But if you don't change the underlying patterns that are shaping your energy body in the, then the issues will remanifest themselves. And so the value in clearing or temporary repair is to give you an opportunity to feel what it could feel like. 
uh, but they simply can't do it for you and make a because it's your own belief system that's actually establishing and reestablishing itself. So here's the biggest bang for your buck. very different. So what what works for them and allowed them to turn their life around may not be what needs to happen for you. What's important to understand about your energy body is the main functions and structures of the energy body and and how to work with them. Um, And there are options out there to learn to do that. Many of them, from what I can tell, are far more complex than we really need. so I teach a weekend workshop. I'm teaching it here in two weeks in Portland, two and a half weeks in Portland. But the basic and – there, and there are many radio shows. I have a whole series, The Basics of Living Well, address these things. So I won't go into it right now. But the important thing to understand is no one can change your energy body for you permanently. And it is entirely influenced by your belief system. So if you believe you are unsafe in the world, it is going to be very, very hard for you to make your grounding practices work. I mean, it's that simple. And so these things have to work together. Okay. So, for example, I could do a soul retrieval. uh, And yet after the soul retrieval, if the person refuses to learn to be grounded, then there really isn't anyone home for the soul parts to reintegrate into. And on the other hand, if the person is solidified in their ways and they will not allow the integration of the parts to change them, you know, either way, this shamanic healing will remain incomplete, that the patterns will repeat, them, repeat themselves. And if there's actual neglect, if the person really neglects their soul parts, then the soul parts may actually leave again. You know, so this is a place where is the issue the shamanic healing or the person's relationship with their energy body and their willingness to take responsibility for it. And I find for most people, it's not even so much about willingness to take responsibility. It's just wanting to know how. It's just needing to understand basic daily practices to, you know, the basic care and feeding of an energy body. So your challenge around this is... What are the daily practices you need to do to be appropriately grounded and flexible energetically? So how do, what do you need to do to strike that balance in your life between flexibility and groundedness in a variety of situations? So that's the challenge. So if you could master that, then you would begin to have a very good sense of when is this me and things I need to do, even if I don't really want to do them. And when do I need to reach out for shamanic healing? When do I need to reach out for a cleanse or a fast? When do I, you know, whatever, need to reach out for whatever. Okay, because an aspect of healing is understanding when do we need to ask for help. So where do these underlying patterns come from then that are the things that are driving us to this um, state of being that is what is defining our well-being? You know, where are these patterns coming from? So with shamanic healing, each soul part can potentially help you to change a pattern. And that's similar with ancestral healing. Uh, So so shamanic healing can help you to change patterns. Can. It doesn't necessarily. It can. If you're willing to integrate these energies and track those patterns to their origin and change the pattern at the origin. And similarly, each extraction creates the possibility for you to change your patterns of energy. But you need to track back 
to figure out based on the quality of the energy that was extracted, what, what am I holding in my belief system that holds me open and vulnerable to that kind of energy? And how do I transform that opening so that it's no longer open? And so these are the fundamental pattern changes or energy changes that need to happen that are carried in your, in your core energy body. And so a, a cultivation of your baseline. So, you know, this is me on an ordinary day. And these are the things that need to change because they're not resonating with my highest state of health. And these are the things that are working great. And, and beginning to learn yourself to work with those energies. So, as I said, though, where do these underlying patterns come from that we then need to clear or uh, change in some way so that our collective um, awareness, our collective being can rise to this higher state of health? So I had a, a person recently say to me, I know I have some kind of power, but I also know that I've been blocking my power out of a fear related to my past. It's a perfect example of a conscious awareness of a pattern, knowing it's related to the past, but the rest of this person's statement is about, I don't know what to do about it. I don't know how to change it. I don't know how to get at it. And so this is an example of, of the primary source of patterns that undermine our state of well-being, which is patterns we gain from the past, usually from our family of origin, but from any authority system we encounter in our childhood, which can be school for some people, can be the culture you grow up in, can be religion, um, anything. Um, next, next one is um, I'm willing to open my heart, but I don't know how. I encountered this a lot. And so this is both, this is, um, these patterns then are primarily coming from misinformation, usually from culture or, re- culture or religion or schooling um, about how, the how do I manage my energy body? How do I open my heart? So basically what I'm saying is we're not given the information that we need through our religions, through our schooling, through our culture to understand how to take care of our energy body, how to manage it well. So this person's done the work around whatever the family of origin patterns are um, to get to a place where they're willing to open their heart, but they don't know how because there's all this misinformation about how we actually, you know, What's the care and feeding of a healthy energy body for a human? You know, we don't get that information. So no matter what I do, I keep getting taken out at the knees by someone acting like my mother or father. Okay, so here you have um, family of origin patterns, but the other part that's beginning to reinforce the patterns in the person's life that aren't helpful is this sort of naivete or this... um, sort of psychological new age spin, you know, too many self-help books, too much, too many new age sort of truths that are being abused and, and, and not enough understanding that this is actually all very simple. There's only one thing going on, not a million different things. There's one thing going on, which is there are patterns. You need to learn to track them to their origin. You need to learn to intervene at the origin and transform them and let them go. And that anyone can learn to do that. And this is how we change that fundamental belief system that allows us to become that person that can live at a higher state of well-being. And in particular, the state of well-being that's going to allow us to live our soul's purpose. Okay. So another one is I get overwhelmed by other people's emotions and or I take other people's energy on. So this these patterns come out of Many things, but usually the primary one kind of kind of comes out of that naivete um, and that too much self-help psychology slash new ageisms. There's a piece out of that. Um, this whole I get overwhelmed by other people's emotions and energies almost always means this person lacks the necessary daily practice. They may have a daily practice, but back to what I was saying early in the show, what daily practices do you need? to maintain the grounding and the boundaries necessary to stay on your course through the day. So the other piece here in this getting overwhelmed and where these 
patterns, these unhealthy patterns start to get laid down is that a person hasn't spelt, uh, spent enough time in self-reflection and inner self-awareness, again, because of the misinformation in our culture telling us we don't need to do that. We just need to go shop more or something, right? Or, or take this class or if you just do this thing, we'll, we'll compensate for this thing that actually, to be truthful, only you can do for yourself. And that, that thing that only you can do for yourself is reflect and come to know yourself well enough to understand this is me. This is my energy. This is essentially where I end and other people's energies begin. And that that awareness is important and, it, and it's held in dynamic tension in a complementary dualism with the awareness that we are also one with all things. And that those two awarenesses need to be ever present in our mind and we need to understand how to take action in each of them. Right? And so this is another piece of the kind of naivete about what we really do actually need to understand to be here in the physical world in a good way. So another one that I hear about these underlying patterns that people carry and we're looking at, you know, where do they come from is another thing I hear all the time is, Oh, I'm overwhelmed by the grief of the earth and the sadness of this huge, enormous thing. Um, That kind of statement. And what's really going on with that, not that we don't need to change our relationship with the earth. We do granted. But this unconscious projection of our own grief, our own sadness, our own emotions onto the earth is really a symptom of a person not understanding how to truly do their own clearing work. Because this, this, um, when we, through, through shamanic work, when we do actually connect with and merge with the spirit of something so profoundly not human as the earth itself, or a mountain, or, you know, in vast, an ocean, you know, something really, really way more vast than a human. We start to realize how silly, and I apologize for those who are deeply offended right now, but how silly that statement is. Oh, I'm overwhelmed by the grief of the earth. The earth doesn't have human feelings. The earth has whatever the earth equivalent is of that. And when we really can get out of ourselves enough and clear our own emotional baggage enough and begin to feel into whatever the words are for what the earth actually feels like, again, for lack of the right words to use, it isn't a bunch of human emotions. It's different. It's planet-sized. It's astronomically huge so again this is just another sign that the pattern these these deep running emotional patterns are not being tracked and cleared and that they're coming out of um, again a a naivete in a contemporary person that um, emotions don't need to be um, cleared they don't need to be released from the past and that and that we we need to come current We need to be accountable to every moment of these past emotions we haven't felt and let them go so that we can get current within ourselves and not carry this this enormous baggage of ungrieved feelings um, with us and then project it onto these other things. So what this all really boils down to, and this is an entirely different show that's already been done, it's in the archives, but that all of this boils down to these patterns are coming out of our fears our fundamental kind of archetypal fears of death or separation, which of course is the primary belief in religion is that we are separate from God. So it, it propagates this archetypal fear of separation. Now it's not true. You know, from shamanism, we totally are reinforced in the truth that we are one with all things. And that's, that's the big healing that can happen here through shamanism. Nonetheless, that these patterns that we carry that need to be cleared are being reinforced by these archetypal fears, fear of death, the fear of no love, which ultimately equals death, the fear of annihilation, the fear of abandonment, which from an archetypal perspective ultimately means death, and the fear of being excommunicated. So in other words, abandonment is the group leaves you behind in excommunication, they send you out. But either way, you're left alone and you die. 
And so these all really come back to an enormous and profound fear of death, which is supported in our culture from the great lie and, and misinformation, which is this idea that we're separate from God and that that shapes a particular kind of psyche. And that psyche is particularly susceptible to fear. And these fears lay down these patterns. And it is precisely these patterns that shape our belief system, that create a state of well-being that is not able to live our soul's purpose. And so this is why I say, what I've already said in this show, if you learn to attend accurately, um, daily, uh, powerfully to your energy body, you can change almost everything. And then it becomes very clear where you need help and what kind of help you need because you've become profoundly accountable to yourself, to your body, to your heart, and to all of those moments in the past where we were forced to abandon ourselves to get the love or the care that was promised by those who were taking care of us. It's very, very simple. It's not complicated. And it needs to be done if we truly want to change our state of well-being. So the challenge here is, what daily practices do you need to express and create healthy boundaries in all the variety of situations that you encounter in your day? So again, it's not necessarily what works for your friend. You need to be able to hold healthy boundaries, changing with the variables of the day. And so that's your other challenge, is what do you need to do to have healthy boundaries throughout the whole range of experiences your normal day offers you. So each extraction um, or depossession uh, points to a pattern that you need to change, similarly with ancestral healing. However, we must be willing and able to track that pattern to its origin to be able to change it. Um, And you don't need another shamanic healing or frankly any other form of healing to do that you need to be able to integrate the healing then that you've already received and to implement then the new patterns of well-being through the actions in your life. And this is a really, really big piece. It's not only the clearing of the old, but it's reinforcing the new patterns in what you say and what you do in your life. And so clearing these patterns requires two things. First, the clearing and then implementing this new way of acting, the new well-being that is possible as a result of the clearing. It's very simple. Now, the clearing requires several steps. To actually clear energy requires several steps. It begins with an awareness of your energy body. And then it moves on then to your willingness to feel what is going on in your body which may or may not be emotional feelings like sadness or happiness, but it could be sensations, kinesthetic experiences. The next thing is feeling the pattern itself, getting the, getting the scent of that pattern and tracking it in your energy body. The fourth thing is discovering through the tracking the original version of this pattern and in the form that the body is holding it in. So this isn't your head and everything you've talked about in therapy, but really discovering, tracking and discovering how the body is holding this original form. The fifth thing is then to engage with the origin of the pattern in a way that changes that truth. And I mean that in quotes. So the pattern's holding a truth that is not true, right? So you have to engage in that original pattern in a way that changes that truth, Um, And freeze your energy that is trapped there that's keeping that pattern alive. And then the final step of clearing is bringing your energy back free of the pattern and reintegrating that energy in your everyday life. And then that gives you the energy that you need to implement the new words, the new actions, the new way of being. So clearing has some phases that make it real. All of those different places, all of those different sources of how we get these patterns can all be cleared in the same way. It doesn't matter where the pattern came from. It doesn't matter what the event was. It doesn't matter how old you were. It doesn't matter whether it was your family or church. None of that matters. It doesn't matter if you're the problem. 
because they all get cleared in the same way. So it's important. So, so the energy body is excruciatingly important. The mental body is also important. The mental body is very powerful, largely because it's the only one that we're asked to develop in the Western thinking world. And so it's just overdeveloped. And the problem with this is that the mind is required for well-being. It has a role to play in well-being. However, when the mind, when the mental body plays the role of lord and master, which it's trained to do in the Western thinking world, it constantly undermines our best effort for well-being. It's not good at being a lord and master. And so in addition, the mind engages all the time the power of the storyteller and the power of the dreaming. So the mind is always either reinforcing the very things you're trying to change. So it's reinforcing the old pattern while you're over here trying to change the new pattern. Or it can be reinforcing your changes. But you must take control of your mind and how it works to be able to make that distinction. And this is the problem with people that come into shamanism to avoid therapy. That it's incredibly important that we that every single one of us understands how a mind works. It's not personal. Minds are not that creative. They all work exactly the same way. It's biology, right? That we understand how your mind works or your mind will work you. And it is that simple. So I've circled back around in my own training many times to learn something more about how my mind works so that it stops working me. I've come back around to um, different kinds of training on several different occasions. There's no shame in that. Uh, So your challenge relative to that is to do something that suits you in your life that allows you to begin to take charge of your consciousness so that your mind isn't running you. And first on my list is Landmark. (laughs) It's Landmark because for those of you that frankly don't really want to do the shamanism thing, you know, Landmark is a great system for this mental piece. It's not the whole story. But it is a really good system for people that are doing their shamanism. They've got all the new age stuff going on and they still cannot get themselves out of the paper bag of their life. They can't keep food on the table. They can't find a job. They just keep undermining themselves here in the mental piece. So if you just haven't been able to wrangle your mind, Landmark's not a bad program. Go in knowing there's a huge recruitment element in Landmark and just deal with it. But if, if it's your mind that's undermining everything, you've got to do something. And that system works. Um, there's therapy systems that work. I particularly like process-oriented psychology here with Arnie Mendel. But there's some great therapists out there that can help you understand how to work your mind. For some people, the best thing they've ever done is take acting class. Help them understand how their mind works, how their emotion works, how to get connected. But the thing is to do something so that you begin to truly understand that you are creating your life consciously and unconsciously. And finally, the last piece here is your emotional body. And that here is the secret of accessing the emotional body. If you engage your energy body and you are willing to learn its landscape, Like I said, to discover it, not project it, but to discover it and to cultivate the health of your energy body. And in doing that, to clear your fears and in doing that, to clear the patterns that your energy body has been forced to carry for you from the past, you will engage your emotional body. You can begin actually with one or the other, but they operate hand in hand. With our focus today on shamanic healing, you know, yes, shamanic healing is often needed to bring well-being to the heart. And I cannot make anyone feel anything. However, a soul part can bring back the full richness and power of your emotions. 
And this is one of the most common reasons soul part integration is abandoned. Because the soul parts come back, the emotions come back with them, and people are simply afraid to feel. And they're unwilling to confront the pattern they carry from childhood, which is, if I feel this feeling, someone's going to die. And this is the place where the grown-up person that you are simply has to hitch up your britches and say, no, you won't. Let's feel it anyway and see what happens. And so this is the power of the emotional body. So the things to remember there is that you can't engage your heart without being freely willing to feel. If you want the highs, connection to all things, divinity, etc., you have to clear the beliefs that keep you out of the lows. Emotions are a package deal. You want the extremes, you got to have them all. If you're feeling everything, then you're living in the emotional body of your wounded child. And you must cultivate an adult heart to be able to create the space to heal that child's heart. And also remember that the language of heart of the heart is very often not words. So be willing to discover and learn the language of your heart. And that is your heart challenge. Do something to discover the language of your own heart. And you will know that you are succeeding in healing your heart when you find you are more childlike in your life and infinitely less childish. So I'd like to give thanks to the ancestors for gathering around us here today for the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. Next week, we're going to begin a little mini-series of two shows that are going to talk about working with the shadow. And in particular, next week, we're going to look at the archetypal shadow patterns that emerge in our lives and we are afraid to lead, to teach, and to heal as our life calls us to do that. So thank you, everyone, for joining me this week. Um, Enjoy speak finding the language of your heart.